0: Welcome to Storywise. This is the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grassanti. I am the story career consultant at Jen Grassanti Consultancy Inc, a writer's consultancy designed to help you accomplish your writing goals through a one-on-one consult. I am honored to have as my guests today, Ben Rabb and Derek A. Hughes, writers on the hit sci-fi show, Warehouse 13. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about them. Ben is a 15-year veteran of the American comic scene. He has worked on shows including The X-Men, Green Lantern, Superman, Wonder Woman, Teen Titans, Hawkman, and The Phantom. Ben has worked on the editor side as well as the freelance writer side Uh, in 2001 on a random Wednesday at a comic book store in Studio City. He met Derek A. Hughes, ex-Marine, one-time Olympic class hurdler, two-time television writer's assistant on Andromeda and UPN's Twilight Zone, and junior literary agent, Bonding over a mutual love of genre, they became fast friends and soon began writing together. In 2004, Ben and Derek co-created the comic book Living in Infamy, and in 2006, they began working in new media as writers' web content producers on such online series as Afterworld and Gemini Division. In 2007, they co-wrote the second arc of John Woo's Seven Brothers for Virgin Comics in 2008, they sold an original web series entitled *The Operator* to ABC's Stage Nine Digital, and were responsible for script polishing the English adaptations of Masashi Kishimoto's top-selling Naruto manga for Viz Media. <laughs> Boy, that was mouthful! <laughs> and began work on their latest comic book projects, including *Ring Slingers*, *The Return of Sam Courage*, and *The Service* ben and derek thank you so much for joining me today oh i have to i forgot proud graduate of graduates of NBC's writers on the verge uh and i was very proud to have you guys be a part of that program so thank you so much for joining me it's great to be here so wow i have never had writers uh on here that have had so much comic book experience i'd love for you guys either individually or together to give me a sense of what inspired your love for that world.
1: Uh, I'll let Ben go because he is the veteran. He is the true veteran in (coughs) in the sense of because how long he's been doing it. Uh, Yeah I mean for me comics you know
2: started as a a kid Uh, at six years old. I remember getting some of my first comic books and which I still have to this day and it just became a lifelong passion. You know I grew up Reading mostly Marvel comics, but some DC books, and uh, it just—it was always a great escape for me. It was always something that just made childhood that much more fun. And you know, when I got older and realized, wait a minute, I can actually, you know, have a career doing this, then then it became a whole other other ball game. Um, I started as an assistant editor at Marvel. Well, actually, I started as an intern at Marvel Comics uh, after I graduated college. Uh, I went to the University of Michigan, and um, after that, just trying to figure out what do I want to do with my life, and comics were kind of it for that time. Um, I was in a, uh, an intern in special projects. I worked on trading cards and posters and, you know, that stuff and gathering artwork. And I made, uh, Marvel was, the trading card division was putting out the uh, an X-Men series. And I grew up, X-Men was my number one favorite comic as a kid. So I, I, I knew all the art. I knew page and panel, exactly what I was looking for when it came to character reference for the artists. And... Uh, that knowledge made an impression on on the editor at the time which was Bob Harris and uh, you know he Marvel was this was the early 90s so talking 93, 94 Marvel was still expanding and uh, he was about to promote his assistant and he you know pulled me aside one day and said walk with me and and you know, I want to talk to you about a, a job, and lo and behold, I, I got the X Men uh, assistant editor position.
0: Wow, yeah. that must have been exciting! It
2: was. It was you know definitely a, a childhood dream come true.
0: How long had you? How long had been X Men been going before that? Well, I mean, I,
2: it's thirty wow. years at that point. I mean, so wow. you know, so I mean, you grew up with that. Yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I really like did. A pinnacle. Totally. Yeah. Oh, was, that's yeah. fantastic. Yep. That's great. Yeah. So I did that for two and a half years, and then Marvel started an online division, and. Uh, you know, and was cutting back in some of the other departments. So I was, you know, just unsure of where things were going to go. So I decided to make the jump to Interactive and help launch their first AOL site, their website, um, you know, trying to provide content there. And uh, that lasted for about six months, because at that time, I started writing comics freelance. And, you know, it was 20 hour days, four or five days a week, I wasn't getting much sleep, and I was working really hard and kind of not very satisfied by my day job and incredibly satisfied by my night job. So I decided to go freelance, and I did that in 1997, and I pretty much have been freelance ever since.
0: Oh, good for you. Yeah. I can say as a new freelancer, it is, it is it a is, wonderful yeah. way to go. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> and Derek, how about you?
1: Um, more or less a fanboy journey for me. I mean, uh, I grew up reading comics, and I grew up reading comics, and... um. Being of of half Japanese, half Black descent, my mom uh, being directly from Japan, manga was a great big influence for me. Um, anime and uh, but even also the other side of it was I was an artist when I was a kid, so I was drawing comics when I was, you know, twelve years old with my one of my friends who actually at this very moment is an editor in chief of a comic book company. Uh, and right. and and you know we grew up drawing comic books together and saying someday we're gonna have our own comic book company. Lo and behold, he actually is working. It is almost you know in his own capacity at a comic book company. Um, so storytelling has always been, and I loved to read. You know, re- read so many books as a kid, and and they just uh, always had a, a a big imagination. But uh, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that it would actually lead me to this path because. Somewhere along the line in junior high school, um, I was also really good at sports and sports became more of my focus than anything else, especially after my friend moved away and uh, so I was no longer drawing with him anymore and so focused on basketball and and, um, thought I was gonna be an NBA star. but why not? <laughs> why not?
0: Because yes. I got cut from the basketball team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then you went to the Olympics in another sport. Well so.
1: well, even well not not really. I mean it's like right. as you know, um I never even I never made it to the Olympics, so I'll be clear about that. Okay. I mean I was like I've I've had the opportunity to train with world class Olympic athletes. Okay. Um, and you know, I was training for the Olympic trials, the US oh, Olympic trials. Okay. You were number uh, three in the state. Well, I was ranked. That. Oh, well, I mean, no, I was, uh, that. Well, I was. ranked. I was ranked top three in Northern California. <laughs> right? I mean, not the entire state, but <laughs> a lot of people in Northern California that didn't run as
2: fast what as you did. You
0: up, Derek?
2: <laughs> this is not the time to be humble. No. Oh, believe this, you this is your moment. <laughs> not really. Uh,
1: um, so, yeah, it was like my path was with was was athletics and. Um, Yes, I was really I was I was really good in, in high school and after I got cut from the basketball team went off for track. And actually, a, a funny story, it's like um, my, the coach, he didn't think that I was even worthy of coming out. So he, I had to prove myself and come out for the first two weeks after school, after practice, everybody was gone, and he would give me an assignment just to show. And at that time, yes, he, he was right. I didn't really care about track and field so much as not losing my six-period athletics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. that was the fun time. You didn't yeah. want to be in class in the afternoon. Um, but, uh, I, once I put my mind to it, as my father used to say, whatever I put my mind to, I can achieve and do. Um, I actually made it onto the track team. You know, I proved I proved that I was interested enough, and then uh, had a natural ability for the hurdles. Great. And I just started working on that, and and uh, two years later, I I was uh, yeah I broke school records, and it's uh, I, that became my my track and field journey. But unfortunately, my academics didn't reflect my track and field. So I was more intent on, uh, focused on partying with friends and not studying. You know, making all those stupid choices. I think
0: there are many people out there who can relate with that.
1: Yes, and because of that, I didn't get the scholarship opportunities that I could have had had I actually focused on schoolwork, um, which drove my father insane and and, uh, and and much to the disappointment of a lot of other people. But uh, I don't hold it against you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had to. Um, since I wasn't able to go to the college that I wanted to go to, I found myself going into the military, so right. I was in the Marines, and I wanted to use the military as a stepping stone to go to college.
0: I think all, I mean, all of what you, di- you just described mm. is excellent ground for writing. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, it's like sports. When you go from maybe being a perceived underdog to achievement and recognizing what the discipline takes a discipline,
1: to achieve the goal. Discipline. Yeah. When it comes to writing, you have to have self-discipline. Yeah. There's nobody else that is going to motivate you more than yourself. And, you know, it's like even before I met Ben, it was like I was already writing. When Once I started focusing on writing, it was like it was up to me to do that. But yeah. in order to do that, I had to develop, you know, the leadership skills and, and again, the discipline through the military. Um, I was on the Marine Corps track team, and then I got recruited to go to Cal State L.A. and run track there. And then I ran there for another four years, and then I ran professionally for two more years with a track Track club here in Southern California. Right. and that was where uh, just having the opportunities to train with different world class athlete, Olympic gold medalists, um, and really have the advantage, you know, just sort of the advantage and and opportunities to work and and train with you know people that ninety nine percent of my competition did not have, mm-hmm. and so, uh, but it got cut short when I, I blew up my hamstring in a race that was you know that during that year training for you know the hopes and dreams to train for the U.S. trials. Uh, got cut short but I had already started at that point um, working on my writing and uh, that was another journey so once I realized I injured myself I was like okay let me start focusing on since I was living in Los Angeles let me start actually focusing on on my writing career. So
0: the universe nudged you and said it's time. Yeah absolutely
1: where you know one door closed Mm -hmm. another one opened and I walked through it and you you have to you know be able to to recognize those opportunities and and grasp them.
0: Yeah. No, uh, I think so, that's great.
1: Which is another, you know, thing uh, as far as you know, I can share with people y- when you do have those, uh, learn to recognize those opportunities. And mm-hmm. it's hard to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's it's
0: in the moment. Yeah. It's difficult. It, seriously, because you cause
1: yeah. I I think
2: writers inherently have this kind of neuroses about themselves, and it's all about proving yourself. At least for me, I, I won't speak for all writers, but I do feel like I've talked to enough other writers who have similar issues with themselves, maybe not the rest of the world, but with themselves and and their careers and their path that they're taking, that you are beset by insecurity. You are beset by this feeling of, am I measuring up? Am I going to measure up? You know, when when that door does slam in my face, do I have, you know, the strength to pull myself up and try and, you know, bust through the next one and and have that one be slammed in my face again? And then keep going because... You know, no career is just an upward trajectory. Everyone is, you know, it's a zigzag pattern. you got to kind of find your way around the obstacles, and you have to find that internal fortitude to to make yourself get up, sit down at the computer, stare at the blank page, do, I mean, all the the cliche things you hear, but it's sad but true.
0: It is true, (laughs) but I think, you know, I, I think the, I can certainly say for most writers, I mean, you go into the writing world and you may have an authentic idea of, These are the shows I want to work on. Well, chances of you getting those jobs on those exact shows are very difficult. Mm -hmm, So therefore, then you get sidetracked and you go down different roads. And uh, and I think the hope is probably gain the experience, the knowledge, learn from the mentors, learn in the room and eventually create your own show. So you are back on path to where you started. You know, so, no, I think that's great. I love that you guys touched on that. I think that's great. Now, on a personal note as well, I know, Ben, you were a father at a young age, and I always— not that young. I I, <laughs> know. I, mean, I mean, maybe relative
2: to some yeah. people in the industry, but I don't think I'm that young. You I, are I feel
0: young. Like... You
2: have two kids. Yeah, I, you, I, I know. I'm but... also not 25. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Yeah, but you know what's fascinating is— in all, I mean, when I think about when my parents had kids, I mean, my mom was 21, 24, and 27 when she had the three of us. Mm-hmm. Yet nowadays, when you see yeah. people with accomplished careers and you hear that they have two kids, it's a very big thing because you recognize that's a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be balancing the family life and the work life, and God knows the work of a writer is can be a 24-7 yeah. job. So um, I'm curious uh, how you balance
2: all of that. I, I'm I'm. Fortunate that I have a very understanding and very tolerant wife uh, My wife Tracy is I mean she also works in the industry so that, that she, she knows how the business works But at the same time, you know, we we're in this together We've been in this together and we, we kind of set out on this journey together before you know we, we came out here because she got a job offer I mean now I was still freelance, you know comic book writer, so I could live and work anywhere. It didn't matter and We just decided to, to give it a shot. I mean me getting into television wasn't like my lifelong dream. I'm not going to lie and say that. Oh, this is something I've wanted to do since I was a kid. I've been—I mean, I mean, I've loved television since I was a kid, and it's been a part of my, you know, creative growth, and it's part of my vocabulary. But it's—it wasn't my initial focus. I mean, I—I I, I fell into it after meeting Derek and realizing, okay, you know, here's someone who's on the inside that can sort of give me guidance and, and you know, tell me how she things used work. to me. <laughs> and I'm still using him today. <laughs> Um, ah, the love of partnership. <laughs> I mean, really? Why else? <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like it, it just—you know—she has been, you know, foundational for me, and and the fact that you know this is a dream that we've wanted to achieve together, and and that we're finally doing. It took a long time, and and she's very patient, and and I'm eternally grateful.
0: I like that shout uh, and, out to the wife. And I is hope a she will thing. listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And and you know, he might not say it, but I will say it for for the both of them. They definitely are a a shining example of how a great couple can work together in this industry because this industry is, is volatile. It is tough. (laughs) And if you don't have the right person by your side, if you are in a relationship, you know, that understands what you're going through and vice versa. And then you, you then you factor that in with kids. It's really, you know, it can be really, really tough. And that's the one thing that I am in constant awe and admiration of, of Ben and Tracy is is how they're able to make that work, and and you know, and Ben is a really good father and husband. It's like he and and again, that applies that discipline of when you know we're working, especially like when we're unemployed and we're working. <laughs> uh, he, you know, his work his work ethic would be he'd work during you know from the morning after after the kids are gone. You know, work during the day. We'd do our work, at that you know, come six o'clock. When, you know, the kids are coming home and Tracy's on his way home, you know, he shuts down and he is family man, you know, husband and and father after that. And it's just really admirable because I know there are, you know, quite a few people that just don't know how to juggle that or do that. Yeah.
0: And I have to admit, it is a it is a juggle and a struggle for a lot of people. So I like when there is a shining example Mm -hmm. to be able to say to writers out there, you can have it all. Yes. And manage it. And, well, and manage it well.
2: And, and as a precursor to some of the stuff we may talk about in, in, in a little bit, um, we're very lucky in our current work situation where yeah. you know, I, I, the fact that I have a life outside the writer's room is is recognized and I'm you know, afforded as I need it the, the ability to, to be present where I'm needed. And sometimes that means at home. Because you
0: can write from home. It's yeah. true.
2: And, and, and I, you know, I know a lot of people don't have that, that luck. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, no, and I'm, that's great. I recognize it and I'm grateful that's for great. it. That's
0: great. We yeah. like that. We like it. Yeah. Um, before that, uh, I know you guys both co created uh, the comic book Living in Infamy. What is the concept and what was that experience like?
1: Um,. The concept is is basically, in a nutshell, it's about a witness protection program for reformed supervillains living in a small town in Arizona. I love it. Uh, at the heart of it, it is about a family, the Blackbridge family, that uh, the hus the, the father and husband. Uh, the sins of his past are are going to co- are slowly coming back to haunt him. Something that he did when he was uh, younger. Yeah, he 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 was sort of one of those supervillains that you know, he didn't have
2: powers. It, his brain was his power, and he and he put it to sort of. Uh, misuse you could say uh, in the service of, a, of a, a larger villain a bigger bad so to speak and uh, you know ended up falling in love with the boss's girl getting her pregnant and realizing the only way to save the three you know him his wife and his unborn child was to turn state's evidence against the guy and you know go into hiding which they've been doing for 15 years and now you know they they, they think just when things are suburban ennui has started to set in and, and life has gotten stagnant for them and and the you know the, the family's starting to come apart at the seams at home that's when their past rears its ugly head and, and discovers where they are, and you know, it's coming, coming for them.
0: See, that's fascinating to me because when you talk about that story like that, I mean, that could be <laughs> a great concept for a pilot. Sure. So you, yes. you, how story transfers from the comic book world into the writing world, uh, into the TV writing world. That, that's great. Oh, well, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, no,
2: it, it's something that that we we've always, when we, after the flash of inspiration hit, the understanding was let's. Let's not do something. We actually didn't even think of doing it as a comic book first. Like we planned yeah. on on doing it as, as a, a pilot, as a no pilot wonder. Spec, as a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, first, yeah. As, a, as a feature, yeah. it, it was yeah. because that's you know that's where our our aesthetic is. That's you know mm-hmm. that's where we like to play. We like genre stuff like that. But we didn't want to. A friend of ours actually convinced us to make it a comic book, yeah. and and. Now we're sort of going the other way with it. Yeah, it, okay. was, it
1: was sort of over over dinner, as like as Ben and I were were working out the the mechanics of it and like how you know what what what, should, what would be best? Would it be a pilot? Would it be a feature? And Ben, at that point, had already been finishing up his run on Green Lantern, so he was kind of burnt out, or I would say you know ready to move away from that and focus much more on on features and television, where you know where we were trying to push our career. Um, and so having dinner with one of my friends who's actually a writer, uh, Ashley Edward Miller, mm-hmm. who's a writer-producer yeah. on Fringe Great. and uh, co-wrote the uh, Thor movie that's being shot right now. And, Great.
0: I didn't know that. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah,
1: and uh, him and his writing partner, Zach Stentz, also very good friends of ours um over dinner it was just sort of telling him the idea and he was like you idiot he says <laughs> he's like you guys you guys need to turn this into a comic book you know it's like following the adage of if you build it they will come so he took it to uh a, another one of our friends uh his name is robert Burnett, uh who was the uh, co-creator co-director co-writer of a uh, free enterprise and uh he's um at that time his, his sort of uh, business was uh, DVD content of like working with different companies doing all the uh, sort of like yeah producing the extras for DVDs yeah, DVDs right? and stuff so when uh, we pitched him the idea we sat down and pitched him with the idea he was like you had me at hello cool. it was right. like it was like probably our shortest oh, pitch God. ever where you know where it's like one of those tales of like you always hear about the stories about you know someone pitches something at the end of the you know at the end of the pitch someone opens up that, that wall and the magic bag of cash comes out Yeah. And says, do it yeah in this case, Robert uh, Rob wanted to um, to um, he's trying to sort of brand to, his, yeah, his, his yeah, company. Yeah, like,
2: yeah, yeah. It's a company called Ludovico Technique, stolen from the uh, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> um, but right. That, but that but that idea and and uh, you know he's a, a comic book fan. He's a you know a collector of, of action figures and toys and statues and stuff. So he he's I mean he's one of he us. He saw and, it. Yeah, so. and, he, and he saw the yeah. potential in it. And and also he's you know being a, a director. He, he saw the vision that this could be something beyond just one particular medium.
0: Now let's talk about, because I think this is a great arena for writers, so if you go the comic book route or, say, the graphic novel mm-hmm. route first, then you own a rights. Yeah, it's right. your
1: intellectual yeah. property that yeah. you own and control and you have a better ab- ability to, to possibly get something out there. But, you know, in this day and age, when every studio is looking for that next intellectual property or, you know, in the case of like Disney buying Marvel or Time Warner having, you know, all of the DC properties, it's gotten harder. Right. But if you have a good idea, if you have a good concept and you have, you know, a, a book, you can at least get interest nowadays. But, you know, it's I think it's reached a point of like where everybody thinks like, well, I can take my but you know, my, my script, my failed script that nobody wanted and turn it into a, a comic book. Okay, well if it's about a, a carpenter who you know... Uh-huh. <laughs> who who happens there to was work a reason miracles? it yeah, failed as, as a script, right? Right, right, yeah. right. You the know? Jesus story. Yeah. yeah, it's the Jesus story. I'll make it into an action comic, <laughs> right? you know? It's, it's like, but like, so you have
0: to use it in the right way. It's
2: true. You, I mean, yeah. look, you know, uh, yes, a lot of people are trying to pimp their screenplays as comic books and, and frankly as a comic book creator, I I I'm not insulted by that, but I do think that you, you need to go and, and understand that the comics are a medium unto themselves. And and as we've discovered in, mm-hmm. in, in the shopping of our property, in the trying to write the screenplay based on our comic book, they're not exactly the same. These are two different beasts. You have to recognize that going in, and you have to adjust accordingly. You can't right. just expect that, well, what's on the page is what's going to be on the screen. Right. Because it's not. It doesn't right. belong on the screen. It belongs on the page. Right. It's a different art form, and you have to find a way to take the heart and soul of what you've put on paper and published and find a way to make that something that's vi- i mean you know, you know screenplay visual.
0: Right. You know. I think no, I think I think that's great and like I said I love that you guys are coming at it from a different unique angle. And then the new media is something that fascinates me as well. I know you were uh, content producers and writers on Afterworld and Gemini Division and John Seven Brothers. Um, what was that like? What is the world of new media? How well, long is each episode?
1: Yeah. So Seven Brothers Seven. is actually comic Comic book. Comic book. Yeah. So that's that's okay. just yeah. It's just, we ha- we were doing so it. So new media is afterworld yes. and Gemini yes. yeah. Division. Well, new okay. media. I mean, what it, what it is, is? You know, in this case, was this was a web series. Right. So it's, it's the web world, and uh, right. uh, we were had the, the 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 fortune and a chance to work with a, a really uh, creative visionary um, in this in this media, Brent Friedman. Yeah. Uh, Brent, oh, yeah. Brent, uh, you know, he he used to be a writer in television. Co-created co- Dark Skies. Yeah, he was a co- uh, co-executive producer on Twilight Zone. That's where I met him. And he's been a, uh, you know, he became a friend and mentor. I mean, he really enjoyed uh, our writing and was really supportive and encouraged. And so when he told this idea about Afterworld, which is basically about a guy named Russell Schumacher, who was a sales executive, goes out on a business trip to New York, wakes up in the hotel the next morning, the power's out, electricity phones don't work, and he goes downstairs and discovers that someti- something happened between 5 a.m. 6 a.m. where 99.9% of the population has disappeared. And he has no way of getting in touch with his wife and daughter, so he decides to make the journey to walk back across the United States back wow. to Seattle. Yeah. And it's on this two-year journey that he begins to put together the pieces of the puzzle of exactly what happened. And so, uh, But we told these stories in, you know, two and a half minutes to three minutes long. Yeah. Of, and oh it was my
0: gosh! How <laughs> challenging yeah. was that? Yeah, I mean,
1: they were they were yeah. you know, they were animated. It was it was sort of like a two D
2: uh, computer animation, and it was really finding a new way of telling story in such a condensed, you know, bite sized mm-hmm. form. I mean, it it really. I mean, it, I'd be lying if I said it didn't help our writing significantly yeah. because it forced you to sort of cut. The wheat from the chaff, and go. All right, I don't need ninety percent of this stuff. Yeah. All I need is this. And if I boil it down, I can tell as powerful a story in two and a half minutes as you can tell in
1: forty-five. Right, and in each each uh, each episode would have to have a beginning, middle, and end. It would have a cliffhanger sort of continue. So we, it almost played out like a miniature uh, episodic hour of, of television, of where. On Monday, you would have, you know, the, the character encounter something and then the mystery of it and, and on a cliffhanger. And then Tuesday, the investigation. Yeah. And then putting it all together. And Thursday, the rising action of it. And then yeah, Friday. Five, five or, episodes were basically, yeah, yeah. A, a, you know, what we did. Like, in, like together. A structure. Like they say yeah. on
0: Quarter Life yeah. that it essentially was well, a one-hour script that they cut down into um,
2: no, Oh in No, 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 no. Oh. This was not written yeah. that way. This oh, was written as... Four pages long for right. each script. Okay, yeah. twenty pages equaled the equivalent of of an episode of t- an hour long
1: drama. Wow. Yeah, and and, that's and, what we and again, it, so it was, was completely like completely different. It, it, piece. Completely different. It was yeah, and life. it wasn't like it was cut up. Yeah. It was like we attack each episode at that has a, an episode. a beginning, episode. middle, right and end. You right. Know? It's like yeah, I mean, as far you know. While while those type of shows like Quarter Life and then there was another one, I think Sam has seven friends, yeah. you know, they were all sort of shot in a way of like it was always already a larger, hour, piece, a larger right. piece broken down. Broken down. But uh, the problem the is one. that when you when you cut into a middle of it and it doesn't have a beginning or an end and you just, you know, have a, a middle section in chunk and you try to watch it and you're like, I don't have any idea yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And you know, and these were hundred and thirty episodes. Yeah. Wow.
2: So, you know, broken down by five, that's what, twenty six?
1: Episodes of television. Wow, you yeah. Know, yeah. very
0: impressive. So. Yeah,
1: we, um, it, it was, it was one of those things of where we, for the first six months, we just sat down and broke the story. We yeah. broke, right. we <laughs> broke the larger like. The large beats of like Russell's two-year journey. Yeah. So we knew exactly where it was going. We, were, you know, it was like, yeah, we were making stuff up as we went along, but we knew where we. There were big points that we wanted to hit. Right. And then if we wanted to reveal something, and say in episode seventy-eight, we might plant something in episode twenty-six wow. that where there might be a Trying clue. That and far ahead. Yeah. That that far ahead, so that as fans are watching it, and people are you know wanting to experience this. They get rewarded for you know the the further along that they watched, and we had very loyal, dedicated fans, um, because the the larger part of the new media was it was the interactive experience of we created a website. That existed after you watched the episode of the show. You go to the website, and there was a wall called the Word Wall, and this was like a community for uh, for the viewers to engage and participate and post their theories. You can read Russell Schumacher's journal, journal. Which, which contained yeah.
2: like elements that that we maybe discussed in the room but didn't have time for in the episode and wanted to include. And you know, and and we would knowing something that's coming up in episode one twenty, we would tease it. You know, after week you know twenty or after week ten or whatever, mm-hmm. and then have that in the journal. Like a line in the journal would then, you know, play into what's going to happen later in the series. I mean, there's a lot of forethought. No, it sounds like
0: a lot. I'm curious, like, what about the time frame, number one? How many episodes are you writing in a week? And the, I mean, there's not like a studio involvement. So what what is the creative involvement? In
1: this case, the studio involvement was, well, actually, Brent being the the creator of this, and then Stan Rogo being the the producing partner. They formed Electric Farm with another gentleman, Jeff Sigansky. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and right. it was like yeah, they were they were electric farm they okay. were electric farm and and then um, you know that was where the financing it was independent financing so that there is no studio involvement there are you don't you don't have to get the studio notes and the executive notes you know no. it was Sony International did the distribution
2: of, of afterworld and uh, I'm not sure who domestically who did it.
1: Um, that at that year? time, it was only Sony International, and then we yeah. like put it on YouTube and right. and, and oh, well, Bud TV early on. How was it monetized? Yeah, uh, monetized in this way was because. Uh, Early on, it was, once um, Sony International came involved, they said, hey, we want to, dis- uh, you know, uh, redistribute this globally. And they would sell it. So they'd sell it to Australia, to Germany, right. to Japan. Right. right, like the first 10 episodes <clears throat> appeared as
2: a half-hour episode on Australia's Sci-Fi channel. Yeah. Right. And it was like, a, you know, it was number one show yeah. that night. So, I mean, they found ways to take the content that we were providing and repurpose it and
1: repackage it in ways that international markets could sort of, you know. Because this was four years ago, and at exactly. that time, it was like the the as far as web web series and web world and how to monetize was still is still a mystery. It's still a mystery to this day, right now. You know, still trying yeah. to figure it out. But they've actually gotten better. But in the sense, uh, afterworld and electric farm were very much pioneers yeah. in this of like nothing had been attempted on this scale. Right. Of you know hundred and thirty episodes. Oh,
0: that's fantastic.
1: And so, Bud TV, when they were trying to launch their web uh, site. Right. You know, they wanted the, uh, to time it with the, the you know, at the, with the Super Bowl. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they approached Electric Farm and said, hey, we want to have the ten, first 10 episodes on our website. And while that eventually turned into a, a great experiment, a fascinating experiment to watch but didn't quite work. Right. Uh, you know, from that, it was like this, how they would, got additional fu- um, financing to help, you know, put out the rest of the episodes and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a fascinating thing to be a, a part of. I mean, yeah.
2: at, at that time, you know, we were looking for something that might be, you know, helpful for our career. And and I think that was probably the the greatest help was working with a guy like Brent who, who really is, you know, I mean, he, he's one of those guys that's able to create his own worlds. And I think that's a unique skill that not many people
1: have. So I think well, and
0: in your genre, that's a very important skill to have. Exactly, so that's great.
1: And then since then, you know, Electric Farm. From that, they from learning that lesson. Then they went on to create Gemini Division, starring Rosario Dawson. Yeah, this was live action, but also, uh, you know, green screen shot. Um, and then from that, woke up dead with John Heater. And then Vailmont with MTV, which just got nominated for, like, a Streamy Awards, which is coming out what, Great. next month. So.
0: so they are figuring it out. I don't think that yeah, world is be being sure. figured out quite as quickly as they had hoped it would be. Right. I mean, I remember two years ago when it was like, this is the forefront of everything, and everything's going to the computer and new media, and it seems like they're kind of a lot slower in the process of...
1: Well, there's no place to really distribute it other than, you know, your, your YouTubes and uh, MySpace channels, you know, when they had a myspace channel or crackle or hulu, hulu funny or
0: die, funny yeah. or die oh, yeah. you
1: know those websites didn't so to, to to house the the you know these these this content it's like they need networks
0: online yeah. right and, yes, and frankly really... now
1: that now the technology's gotten more portable yes i think that that right there is opening the doors you Right, know? that was one of the things that really sort of spurred brent on in the first place was when he was in in um in europe and he noticed that everybody was using their mobile phones and and because right. of the because of the infrastructure of how home computers really weren't that great to use like everybody was you know had much more uh faster access on mobile phones mobile content but the thing was they didn't have content to really watch anything on there and he was right. like so why not provide something like that and be a content you know creator
0: oh i love that so. you guys thank you so much this really really helped i've never covered this yet so this is wonderful information that you're bringing um and with that we are going to go on a short break i am here with ben rav and derek a hughes of warehouse 13. thank you
2: you're listening to storywise with entertainment consultant jen Grisanti. storywise is a podcast designed to give you the story behind the people who tell stories offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film Hear this and other podcasts on www.JenCrisanteConsultancy.com, a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision.
0: I am back with Ben Rav and Derek A. Hughes of Warehouse 13. Uh, We are going to talk about NBC's Writers on the Verge first because that was kind of your step before Warehouse 13. So I am curious with Writers on the Verge, which I was very, very proud of the work that you guys did in Writers on the Verge. And it's interesting for me to hear your background in the comic book world because I see it in your writing, in your Chuck, um, and was it Rescue Me mm-hmm. that you wrote yeah. to get into the program? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see how you were able to really stand out because of your ability to trim the fat, really get to the heart of the scene, and I commend you. For that. So tell me about your experience with Writers on the Verge.
1: Uh well, first off, thank you for that. You're That's welcome. uh Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a uh, um <coughs> um Writers on the Verge. Uh, okay. It's it was pretty awesome. I mean, cuz we were at that point of where you know, we 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 weren't sure like if if we were going to make it. It. I was done I was done I was like enough forget
2: it it's not happening I'm out
1: see I was trying to be all nice about it no no no, no.
2: <laughs> you, need, you need to know I was done okay. what do you no, mean I'm by done. you were done I was done I would had it I, I was like you well,
0: didn't think it was gonna it happen it wasn't gonna happen
2: right. I'm, I'm sick of submitting to these writing programs I'm sick of trying to get into okay it and, that's and honest
0: that's it. I like yeah, that no, I that. was
1: trying to be diplomatic about <laughs> it because <laughs> I didn't want to throw done. it on Ben because I was not done, done. I, was, right. I was more like I, I got more I got more fight in me but he was like it's uh, not a question of fight <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there were a couple of rejections before this acceptance there were is we, that right? we okay. would we
1: would apply every year i yeah. mean that's the thing ben and i we've now been writing eight this is years good for people to hear Right. right and great. you know there's yeah. um uh th- there was a um there's a great writing uh, team uh ted elliott and terry rossio mm-hmm. and there was something that i read a long time ago where they gave themselves 10 years to make it in this business and you know they were able to sell like their first screenplay in five and then, you know, and then finally the career started and it was like, but they gave themselves 10 years. And, and I truly believe it really is about the 10 year overnight success story where Ben and I, were just getting started. And, you know, so we, we still have a lot left in us. But at that point, it was sort of like, OK, we had applied to every writing program year after year. We were up for actually a couple of different shows a couple of times, yeah, like Smallville right. staffing, Twice, yeah. Staffing Wise, and we get really close, but nothing would happen. And you know, and then we'd be up for shows where it's like, well, you know, we, we we're looking for uh, people that you know have written on shows, and they're like, but we're trying to be staff writers. How can we have get on the show? Yeah. It, <laughs> right. You yeah. need experience yes. to get the job, but you can't
2: get the job unless yeah. you got
1: experience. welcome to the
0: wonderful circle of the <laughs> entertainment business. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, um, as as luck and timing would have it, our our former agent uh, Lindsay Howard, she um introduced us to Erica Kinnair who was over on Writers on the Verge and with, with uh um Ted Ted Franks? Ted yes. Frank. Ted Franks. Ted, yes Ted Franks. And we met with them for another uh, diversity program and um, but Uh, Erica encouraged us that said we should submit to the writers on the verge program and so we did you know thinking like I'm
0: happy they told you that yeah (laughs) and
1: we figured you know we're gonna do one last hurrah we'll do the ABC fellowship we'll do the CBS the Warner Brothers and uh next thing we know it, it the you know we're getting a call and saying you guys have been accepted into the writers on the verge yeah, program semi-finalists. yeah semi finalists yeah it, it, it's like no not semi well, finalists well i mean because we, <laughs> we, we had to do the interviews. oh yeah we that. had to yeah. do the interviews yeah. and, you're then, right, and then, you're and right. then eventually yeah. we came we, we you know we actually you became got in finalists. we became finalists and yes. which was uh, you know Eric, erica and actually you both pointed out that we, while the other programs, especially like the ABC Fellowship, where everybody across the country submits, the Writers on the Verge is much more. You're going up against your peers, the people that work in this industry, the other writers' assistants, the other you know people who may have written a freelance or so forth and so on. So, out of that, you know, these 600 plus submissions, you know, they only choose eight writers. So when we got selected, we were just. So it 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 took us a moment to you know to really like wow okay. You know, something's finally happened.
0: I try Uh, to tell writers that all the time because I know very talented writers who don't make it into the writing programs. And when you're looking at, I can tell as being the writing instructor for NBC's Writers on the Verge, that they had one year, my first year as the writing instructor, they had like 900 submissions for 8 slots. I think this year they had even more. So it you know that is a lot of scripts we got that done (laughs) do that again yeah exactly (laughs) so you should be very proud of yourselves now tell me how you did with the structure of the program so it's a 10-week program Mm -hmm. in which you're writing a spec script and starting the concept on a pilot actually now we've restructured it so that we spend a lot more time on the pilot and right. the spec script so um, yeah so uh, because original work has become uh, right. so much more yeah. at the forefront sure. of being Absolutely able to get important. an agent yeah. yeah
2: well and it's also good business sense mm-hmm. to, for a writer to have that in their pocket rather than another you know Chuck. existing TV show oh well, I mean you know, Chuck was a fun sample to write <laughs> but yeah it's like because once when we were doing it executives were looking for certain kinds of shows and frankly our voice was maybe slightly askew from that so we didn't want to write law and order we didn't want to write house we didn't want to write certain shows that were the quote unquote hot specs so what do you what do you do well knowing that you can write an original and that people are going to read it because it's your actual voice and they have a better sense of you as a writer i think is, a, is actually a really good thing for free new writers
0: yeah no i definitely i just agree. said new
2: writers what nah. about
1: new writers I'm still a new writer but no, no 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 you you, you survived two years I think still what, it's just weird but, but what i think
0: <laughs> is fascinating about you guys new is, is you say new writers yeah, and yet you've been doing comic books forever it so it it is yeah no i i love that i think that's very humble i think that's wonderful um new and i sexy think sexy writers yes exactly <laughs> that's
2: definitely not us <laughs> so, you so for, oh, the, for you new sexy writers <laughs> make it happen
0: <laughs> um so let's see from writers on the verge to warehouse 13. yeah what was that was that? that was a
1: shock that yeah. was a really shock yeah. and again uh there were a couple people that were very instrumental in that it was you and erica w- you know matching us up with uh nor o'brien o'brien and it was
0: Nora. Shout out to Nora. Yes, Nora yep. O'Brien,
1: who was at the time one of the senior VPs mm-hmm. over at NBC Universal. She she, she was our our, our real very our beloved. real hero. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. like the first day, the first time we met with her. She was like, "Okay, I read your material. I know I'm supposed to be your mentor, but I really don't have anything to say." And then we just geeked out for the next two hours over yeah. Battlestar Galactica yeah. and. And she was like, "Have you guys met with the Sci-Fi Channel?" We we're like, "Yeah, years ago." She says, "I'm getting your stuff over today." And so she sent our stuff over to Tom Lieber and, and Eric story, story, and they read our stuff and they, you know, set up a meeting, met with them, and they said, "We think you'd be really great for uh, show, Warehouse 13." And so then they uh, sent us over, uh, met up, set up a meeting with uh, Jack Kenny, our our boss now, and and and, and David, David Simpkins, Simpkins the who, other executive producer, yeah, who wrote the pilot that got shot for the show. <laughs>
0: I work with David on Charmed. Yep. 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 Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Great veteran to, yes. to be working with. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And uh, from that, I mean, you know, we found ourselves five weeks into the Writers on the Verge program, actually staffed. staffed. Yeah. Yay. But yeah. we were having so much fun on Writers on the Verge that we decided to continue. You know, we yeah, wanted try to and finish, and finish it, it out because we, yeah. we loved you guys. So.
0: I loved you guys, and I cannot tell you what a uh, it was. It made me so happy to see. Not only did you show up. The last five weeks, you showed up and you read material and you gave input. So well, the um, fact that you were working these full time jobs and still fully participating in the program, I thought was such a tribute to the discipline and dedication of the writing well, So sorry, like, sorry, we didn't do more work on our pilot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we really no, didn't have time that for that. That kind of went by the wayside. Yes, we still have time for that.
2: No, but I mean, we, we you know, there were. We, we loved the class. We loved the people in the class. We enjoyed everyone's voice. We thought everyone had a great, unique, fun voice. Mm-hmm. And It was and, a
0: great group. And, and we'd really actually well. learned
2: something by yeah. being in the room that yeah. we're like, okay, if, if even the little, the tiniest glimmer of knowledge that we have, if we could just share it. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. We, yeah. You know, we owe it to everybody else. You know, yeah. like yeah. they deserve it. They, you know, we, we've we have access that they don't have at this moment. so right. let's, let's give them that access. But I know? think,
0: like with writers on the verge, that is part certainly the goal of the program is yeah. to get everybody staffed and represented, and yes. you know, the training of here it is what it is to write a spec script in four or five weeks, and what it is to start to conceptualize a pilot and really jump into that creative process, knowing that in the room you're going to have to write that quickly. Yeah. So it 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 is uh, and it actually is that that caused me to structure my storywise tell a seminar which is going to be like a 10 week program when you mentioned um not writers who didn't get into the writing yeah. program that's what inspired me to do the storywise tell a seminar because I thought what if I mimic some of the structure that goes on in these diversity programs and make it available to the writers at large knowing with guys like you, how the structure helped you get in the door. Yeah, you absolutely. You know, so yeah, I that. think that's great. Now, tell me with Warehouse 13. I I think it's great for writers out there to understand, like, take me into your first day on staff and kind of give me a sense of what you, your preconceptions of the writer's room were going in versus, you know, reflecting yeah. back on it now.
2: Well, it's funny because, like, a lot of – uh, certainly my preconceptions, I mean, Derek had been in writers' rooms, you know, with, with Twilight Zone and and, and Andromeda, Andromeda yeah. so he, he had a different sense than I did. Mine came from the, actually some of the speakers at, at the Writers on the Verge class. Um, you know, Matt Nix came, Greg Daniels came, Jane Espenson, uh, Tim Crane, all these guys brought their, pers- and, and Lady, brought their uh, unique perspectives to to the room, and... <laughs> on oh, Glenn Mazzara. Yeah. <laughs> where she's just yeah. like after you listen to that guy you're like alright you know <laughs> what I'm keeping my head down I'm not gonna I'm not gonna open my mouth I'm just gonna just gonna be a body and
1: keep the room warm not the case not the case And yeah. certainly on Warehouse um, yeah I think uh, definitely you know full credit goes to Jack Kenny our showrunner who from the very first day when we sat when we came into the room and all the writers are in there he says look I don't care you know he says Rank goes out the window good. here. It's like, you know, right. he said, I just want to hear good ideas and he says if if you don't have a good idea, I will go to the security guard outside out right outside and get an idea from him. You know oh, I and love Fortunately it. we haven't had to do that. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> but no, but that he Jack set the tone on yeah. day one and it's,
1: it, fr- it freed it freed everybody up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, while you still have to respect the chain of command and right. understand, always, you know, always, yeah. understand that these writers, you know, have worked and toiled to get where they are. You know, so you don't want to just like, oh, you're a co-executive producer. I don't care. You know, Jackson, not to. But... He never said that, you know, it was just more or less it gives you the the freedom to to open your mouth, to pitch ideas. There is no such thing as a bad idea in the room because you're going to work it all out. You know, yes, you might get shot down. You might pitch something out that isn't quite working for that story. Then you just, you know, you take you take you take that, you know. Understanding and you move on. And well,
2: we also learned that even you know. even in the in the Writers on the Verge class, like yeah. uh, when when Matt Nix came to speak, you know, creator of Burn Notice, he brought uh, Rashad Rezani with him, and, and Rashad was a, a Writers on the Verge graduate who was a, a staff writer on on Burn Notice, who's you know his his philosophy, which I thought was awesome, was. Uh, you know I'm a samurai I'm here to die yeah and that's kind of how you have to be with your pitching when you're in a writer's room you, you are a samurai you're there to serve your masters and give them what they need and be prepared to fall on your sword if necessary
0: but you, you know? and you I think that's excellent advice and I think you guys touched on a very important word in the writers room and that's respect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know I think respect in all of life is important but sure. essentially when you're putting a group of people together in the writers room and everybody wants to throw out ideas and respect is definitely something that I think makes the system work. Respect
1: and deference you know of of where you know it's like you think you might have the great idea but and, and you might. You, you just might. You just yeah. might, but you have to let the other people talk and, and you know. cause just take turns. Take, <laughs> take, take, <laughs> yeah. yeah, learn to recognize, you know, yeah. like, okay, now I might be able to say something or, or contribute or, or, or whatnot. And, well, and know that when you
2: when you pitch something out, it may not fly in that moment, and then yeah. when someone else picks it up and pitches it later and doesn't necessarily give you credit for it, you, you can't be like, that was my idea. No, you yeah. have to you, let
0: the ego yeah, out. Yeah, you
2: yeah. can't you, keep a scorecard. Yeah, yeah you, you contributed. <laughs> Whether or not you're getting the recognition for it, you have contributed, be at peace with that you know that's well appreciate to that. the
0: life of a writer or an executive yeah, up yeah. until a certain point everybody else gets credit for your work and that's just par for the course and you recognize that it's compliment because yeah. it means you're going down the right road and there a time is gonna come when all your credit will come from you
1: well on the flip you side know? also we can honestly say that you know out of the 13 episodes last season I mean for the first season every single episode there was something that we were able to contribute mm-hmm. and it, it's it's a it's everybody, a, team, it's, a yeah, did, it's a yeah it's a team effort it's mm-hmm. not just one person i mean eventually yes when you go off to write the script you know it it, it becomes more of a, a a singular sort of entity a, a, you know but even then you even know it's that, still yeah. it's passed around and everybody gives notes and and, and that's something from the uh, from the writers on the verge where when we read everybody's Scripts, you yeah. know, you got to give the constructive criticism and learn how to take notes and give notes, and and that's the same thing in the writers' room yeah. where you're able to, you know, they pass around a script, you got to read it and you to be able to come back in and give notes constructively. Constructively, that's so great. You, can, you can't just you can't just
2: have, you know, you can't shoot down someone's pitch and then not offer something in exchange. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. always have to come with something. That's of a great value, piece. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, yeah. and your idea might not fly either, but at least you're saying you okay. Here's why drag this doesn't... someone down no, you do unless not. you
0: have another idea no. to put in the place. Yeah. yeah, never. So you guys have had how many produced episodes so far?
1: One. <laughs> our, our that's fir- great. Our first official episode of television was last season. And now l- you're on last your season. second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. Starts oh, actually yes. uh, starts this week. Yeah, Oh, begins. that's fantastic. Yeah.
0: I want you to take me back to the first one and then another area I want to touch on is the fact that you got picked up for year two, which is okay. a very huge part. Yes. So what was the first experience like and on Warehouse 13... Are you producers of your episode or are you mainly in the writer's room? And how does that work?
2: We 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 went up to, to see our episode produced. We weren't there for the entire run of the production, but we were there for about four days.
0: Uh, yeah. Vancouver?
2: Uh, Toronto. Toronto. We were in Toronto. Right. And uh, and, and it, it was invaluable to be there and actually see how... The things that you imagined come to life and the people that have to make that happen and, and all the work and all the time that goes into that is, is just it was a great lesson. Um, it was also a great lesson in what, you know, how you how you as a writer need to be economical with your ideas and, and recognize that someone on the back end is going to have to figure out how to make all this crazy shit you've, you've come up with real. Right. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, it's I think that has made us better writers, knowing the
1: people that we've worked with up there.
0: And seeing actors bring your words to life—that must have been a very surreal. It's always it's always experience. great. It's yeah. you know yeah. you're
1: you're you're, to, you're toiling and working away and writing, and these words are living in your head, and it's not until you actually see the, the actors perform it. And we you know we're we're fortunate enough to have wonderful talented actors. Yes. Yeah. On on our show. I mean. Great cast. Really, and yeah. your episode yeah. is yeah. great. Oh, thank and, you. thank yeah. you. And you know they bring bring it to life in such a way. It just it, it, it's a uh, it's really it's really exciting. It's it's very surreal too. Yeah. You're just you're sitting there. I'm standing on set watching people perform stuff that we wrote. <laughs> I know like, right, like I'm just, just staring at a computer screen yeah. or a printed page going, yeah. wait what? This is actually <laughs> happening
2: right now? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That was, real, that was that was amazing. Yeah.
0: That is great. And now um, going from year one to year two, which I have to tell new writers that is a very big transition. Your hope is at the year one that at the end of year one that you're gonna get picked up for year two. How and then, uh, and
1: then asked to come back. And then, yeah, yeah, right, right. It's, it's not just it's, a matter exactly.
2: of the show. It's, it's, it's also
1: have you have you earned your your place there? Yeah. yeah. So, so as a as a staff writer, you know, not only are you trying to learn as much as possible, but you want to be, you want to you want to create the sense, or you know, give enough, be contri- contribute enough, so that the showrunner and the people that make those decisions, like saying, okay, they were invaluable, or they at least you know they really helped they really helped contribute to the show and and like working with them and want to bring it back. So we were very fortunate where we were asked to come back, and, and uh, that's yeah, it's not a guarantee. Yeah. I mean,
2: just because you've gotten your foot in the door doesn't mean <laughs> the door's not going to still slam shut on it.
1: Yeah,
0: and then the hard thing for staff writers, if you're not picked up after year one, it's like you're starting all over
1: again. Yes. Pretty much, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. glad we don't know what that's like. Yeah, yeah. And, yes, and, and, and And in today's climate, I mean, climate, it's it's also one of those things of where you're not only competing against other staff writers that didn't get picked up, but also the new staff writers, but then also possibly story editors that are willing to just work that they'll take a job as a staff writer Mm -hmm. or even the competition is very hard right now very hard yeah yeah
0: competition and budgets being cut and agents i mean going on to the topic of representation Mm -hmm. the idea of um uh budgets being cut and agents not signing on baby level writers Mm because they're like why are we going to sign on a baby level and have to take two years developing them when we can have a mid-level writer who maybe will take a staff level Mm -hmm. position but they've already you know started working in the business so it's easier to sell them so you're right it is a very difficult climate how how have you dealt with that like when you think about what advice would you give to writers right now as far as representation
2: find someone that you're comfortable with above and beyond everything else just just know that the 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 person who's gonna be out there as your voice your face hustling for you you need to have a good rapport with you know
1: and I, I good rapport yeah. and good material that's it I mean because yeah. you are, that that is who you are you're a writer so you got to have material that there there you know therefore a an agent can actually do something with it if you if you just have like one script, and he's going to have this one script Is like, oh, this is great, but what else do you have? Because the that's the other thing is you got to have more than just one piece of written material. Right. You, you give them what they need
2: to do their jobs, yeah. then they can be more effective for you to get a job.
0: Yes. Yeah. I loved, uh, at my recent seminar, the one of the agents brought up, and I, I thought it was an excellent piece of advice, really, for writers to recognize it truly is a partnership. Yes. Everything that you're bringing to the table, it's not you get an agent and then you sit back and relax. No,
1: you got to, you got to no, hustle yeah. too no no yeah. it's like the the work doesn't stop there it's like i I've, I've had the the fortune and ability to uh to to work as a junior literary agent at an, a smaller agency yeah. for 2 years and so during that time which ben and i we were still writing but i was it gave me a a a greater sense and understanding of how hard agents work every single day so that even when you're, if you're not hearing them on the phone, nine times out of 10, they are still working for you. They are still out there talking and, and, and trying to do whatever they can to help set up something for you that's what they have to do and you know so it's it's not a personal issue if you know they don't call you back right away right. <laughs> it's like especially the bigger the bigger the agency you're 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 at that's the less you're gonna hear from yeah the them. less yeah. you're gonna hear from them <laughs> yeah, yeah. And frankly if they call you back right away
2: that means they're <laughs> they're not doing anything right now so <laughs> <laughs> let them work leave yeah. them alone a good sign.
0: let them do their jobs
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah i
0: think that's great now um on the topic of mentors let me know who have been the big mentors in your careers uh, and uh, how they. For
1: been. me, I mean, first, I mean, first and foremost, I think is has been has been Ben. Ben has been a, a great. Oh, friend. that's why this I took love so long because I'm the mentor. <laughs> uh, no wonder we've been in such <laughs> trouble. No, no, I mean, oh, it's like you know, that goes on with hey, partnership.
0: It, it, absolutely yes. it
1: does. I mean, yeah. that's you know, the partnership is like a great, a great marriage. Right. <laughs> it's, it really oh, is, I you love know. That. It's it's, but. Uh, I, again, you know, we've been writing together eight years, and um,
0: was it always easy? What was the most difficult year?
2: Uh, I don't know. Whatever year, whatever's difficult, that was probably the cause of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's. I'm, I'm the pain in the ass in the relationship. Well, it's
1: a, it's a give and take relationship. You have right. to be able to, you know, we're both alphas in a lot of ways, but you know, we also are both able to recognize that sometimes, okay. You're right. You have a good idea or, you know, that that works better. The letting you know, go. Letting go and stuff easier. like that. Yeah. 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 Well, and from a professional standpoint, also like
2: me being the one who's more, you know, centered at home at times, having someone like Derek who is out in the world and has this unc- uncanny mutant ability to meet the right people at the <laughs> right time. Has been, you know, I it, mean, it, it's no huge. joke that, yeah, it's yeah. huge. I mean, what yeah. you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and Derek knows everybody, so it's made my life a lot easier.
0: <laughs> I love so. it.
2: That's yeah. great. So as yeah. far as
1: mentors, I mean, definitely my friend uh, Ashley Miller, uh-huh. who was who was one of the first people that I met in this business, um, who took the time to read something of mine and you know gave me great advice, which I impart to everybody that you know any young writer that I meet or writers that you know. It's like three things he said was like write every day. If you're not writing something, you're reading something. And the third and the most important thing in this town: finish things. And excellent piece you know, of advice. So yes. from that, and then uh, Robert Wolf, who was the first uh, boss Robert's showrunner. Great. Yeah. He's you know a really I learned so much on writing writing in television, working on Andromeda in that mm-hmm. first year, and then Brent Friedman again from the new media aspect of it, where. It was just learning so much and how to really create your own IPs and and really think about uh, um, approaching story storytelling from a different angle. Right. And uh, you know world building for that matter. And this the trans as, as the, the, the you know the. The catchphrase that everybody seems to use nowadays. Right. Um, those, you know, I think those those three There's people are the there. were the standout ones. Yeah, and then again, but just with Ben because of his comic book background and where yes. he was, of uh, being an editor, his meticulous eye <laughs> that will not let That's a, common, a yes. comma go by, yes. a period missing, or anything like that. It is sometimes. <laughs> It's to the point of, like, let it go. You stare at that page seven times, let it go. We have to move on.
2: <laughs> Typos <That's funny>. count. <laughs> yes. Don't let anybody tell you differently. <laughs> Typos count. Someone yeah. will go, oh, there's a typo, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> don't have a typo if No, nope.
0: totally agree try with to you. Try to avoid it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know, my – I don't think I've had any direct mentors. I feel like I try to learn something from everybody. I feel like, you know, the people that Derek has been, you know – has introduced me to like Robert Nash and Zach and and Brent and I mean those guys have been inv- invaluable as following their example not just as writers but as people in the industry who have knowledge and and trying to listen to what they say about how things are done because they're on the in- they were on the inside before I ever I you know I got on the inside yeah. so I'd be foolish to not take their advice and their insight to heart on some levels. Um, I feel like I, you know, every day in the writers' room on Warehouse, I learn something. We've right. got, we've got. Right, last season, we've, you know, we have a slightly different staff than the previous season, but, you know, both rooms that I've, you know, been in in this one show have really good writers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. great writers with with great, you know, with great depth and breadth of experience. That, you know, I, I, I just, I, I try and soak as much as I can every time we're sitting in the room. You know, and Derek. what
0: about Derek? What do you have to say about Derek? What are Derek's strengths?
2: Yeah. <laughs> he already said them. <laughs> no, 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 no. no it, it, it doesn't end at your networking ability. No, I mean, from, from a writing standpoint, what, what I love about our partnership is that I am invariably going to hit a wall, and then Derek is going to be the one who invariably gets me over it or through it. Great. And he has this uncanny ability to, to get me out of my own head so I can get out of my own way. And then, you know, he brings ideas that I don't think about because I'm so wrapped up in, you know, what I'm sitting at staring at at the screen that, I, you know, I know that I can... I can say, what do you think about this? And he'll go, no, that's not working. And here's what you can do to make it work, and it does. So, you know, I am lucky to have that.
0: I like it. I like it. You guys, you guys are an amazing partnership. I mean, I can, I can certainly say, as someone who started with you and Writers on the Verge, and is seeing you grow, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to watch and to hear, and to just know that you are going to be going huge places. So. You're definitely uh, a team that I will be watching uh, and you've given us incredible advice. Uh, I think writers are really going to learn a lot from this podcast. I love your different backgrounds and how you're I love the idea more than anything that you touched on of going through rejection before the yes finally did come. and and really believing that it can come even if it is later and you can have other careers first and still really prosper in the writer's world. I think that's a very important thing for writers to know. Any last comments? We're going to be cutting out here soon. Yeah, just one last comment. I, I don't think no uh, point. Don't point at me. <laughs> I don't have a last comment. <laughs> one last
1: comment. Uh, I think is that we are a perfect example. There is no one way to make it in this business. Oh, yeah, uh, my my friends Ash and Zach. I mean, their writing team also very very great writing team and they the way they met was like crazy they met in like an internet chat room in <laughs> a star trek right. chat room you know it was yeah. like and their story is crazy i mean we met in a comic book store where i was insulting one of his best friends you know mixing yeah, so, <laughs> it right
2: cut, cut to nine years later we're writing partners on a tv show yeah so where does that happen yeah. so the,
1: you know that's that's what i love about this business is that there there is not just a a formula to to get in this business to write so if you're sitting here listening and you're you know working at some job that has nothing to do with the entertainment industry don't be dismayed that you know just because that you don't have that that access right now, you just gotta be able to make it happen. Right, but it has everything to do with your creative life. Yeah. So don't ignore it. Yeah.
0: I love it. Thanks you guys. You have been phenomenal. I am thrilled to have you here and I am very excited for everyone to listen to this. This is Jen Grassanti of Storywise Podcast, and we are out with Ben Rabb and Derek A. Hughes of Warehouse 13. Thank you.
2: You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get
1: to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs,
2: feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Bruiser Productions.